Greetings and welcome to Digging Deeper with Kenneth Frank, where we uncover hidden gems of understanding in the Word of God. Did you know that it was God's intention from the beginning to include non-Israelites, called Gentiles, or the nations in his plan of salvation? Though God chose Israel to become a model nation, it always was his will that other peoples would be offered the same salvation. Israel was supposed to become a godly example that other nations would wish to emulate. Deuteronomy 4, 6-8 However, by the time of Jesus, many of the Jewish people, especially the ruling elites, had come to look down upon Gentiles, even referring to them as dogs. Jesus preaching to Gentiles during his ministry, no doubt, raised some eyebrows. This digging deeper highlights the ministry of the early church to not only preach to the Jew first, but also to Gentiles. This was made plain by the ministries of Jesus Peter, Barnabas, Paul, and others in the Gospels and the book of Acts. Acts 15 chronicles the first ministerial conference called to settle a question about whether Gentiles needed first to become Jews before they could become Christians. The hot-button issue of the day was the matter of circumcision. For centuries, male converts to the Abrahamic faith needed to be circumcised to become full proselytes. Some former Pharisees in the early church insisted such Gentile converts needed bodily circumcision to enter the Christian faith. Nonetheless, chapter after chapter in the early part of Acts revealed that God gave his Holy Spirit to the Gentiles without circumcision, illustrating that now it was circumcision of the heart and not of the flesh that was required. Romans 2:28 and 29. After Peter, Barnabas, and Paul testified how God provided his spirit to the Gentiles apart from bodily circumcision, the resident pastor of the Jerusalem church, James, announced the church's decision that it would not insist upon circumcision of Gentiles. For authority, he turned to the prophets of the Hebrew Bible as evidence that this was God's will all along. Acts 15.15. Acts 15.17 is especially pertinent. That the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, says the Lord who doeth all these things. Matthew Henry's commentary in the whole Bible explains James' pronouncement. Quote, he confirms this with a quotation out of the Old Testament. He could not prove the calling of a Gentiles by a vision, as Peter could, nor by miracles wrought by his hand, as Paul and Barnabas could, but he would prove it that it was foretold in the Old Testament, and therefore it must be fulfilled. Acts 15, 15, end of quote. Thayer's Greek definitions reports that the word residue is a translation of the Greek New Testament word Kateloipas, that appears only here and means that which is left remaining. It refers to the faithful remnant of humankind who are not of Israelite descent. The Webster's 1828 Dictionary definition declares that residue comes to English from the Latin neuter residuus and means, quote, 
that which remains after a part is taken, separated, removed, or designated, end of quote. After God had separated Israel, the rest of humankind fit this definition. Thayer then reports that the word men in Acts 15, 17 is a translation of the word anthropos, which means a human being, whether male or female. James only quoted one prophet concerning the welcoming of non-Israelites into the faith, but there were others. Notice that in Acts 15, 15, he states, and to this agree the words of the prophets. The Cambridge Bible for Schools and Colleges explains, quote, only one prophet is here quoted, that is Amos, in Acts 9, 11, and 12. But the audience would recall other like passages, as Paul does, Romans 15, 9 to 12, quoting from the book of Moses, David, and Isaiah, end of quote. There were numerous Old Testament prophecies about Gentiles entering the faith. Matthew Henry notes that, quote, most of the Old Testament prophets spoke more or less of the calling in of the Gentiles, even Moses himself, Romans 10, 19. It was the general expectation of the pious Jews that the Messiah should be a light to enlighten the Gentiles, Luke 2, 32, end of quote. Here is a partial list of other Old Testament prophecies of Gentiles turning to God. Isaiah 2, 2, 9, 2, 11, 10, 25, 6, 52, 15, Jeremiah 4, 2, 16, 19, Daniel 7, 14, Joel 2, 28, and Zechariah 8.23. Starting in Acts 15.15, James rephrases Amos. However, the phrasing is quite different. The original passage from Amos 9.11 and 12 reads, quote, In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen, and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen, which are called by my name, says the Lord, that doeth this, end of quote. Why James used this passage and modified a few words is critical to note. It was common in the New Testament era for God's inspired leaders to quote the Old Testament verses freely to fit a new situation. This was done by God's illumination to expand the application for a later generation. As chief editor, God is free to edit his own text. These New Testament authors also may have been citing a different Hebrew text from the one that is the basis of our English Old Testament. The Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary, Volume 6, says that James, quote, may have quoted from a form of the Hebrew text that was more closely related to the Septuagint Greek, that is, the Masoretic the text underlying our English Old Testament. Discoveries at Qumran have shown that such texts existed for at least parts of the Old Testament, end of quote. What supports this idea is the phrase, quote, I will return in Acts 15, 16. This is, quote, a favorite Hebrew expression for I will do such and such again. This may be an indication that James quoted the Old Testament in Hebrew. End of quote. Another possibility is that James is quoting from a Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. The Net Bible explains, quote, 
James demonstrated a high degree of cultural sensitivity when he cited a version of a text, the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, that Gentiles would use, end of quote. Why would James quote a Greek version instead of Hebrew? A popular commentary on the New Testament, edited by Philip Schaff, explains, quote, The Septuagint here, as not unfrequently, give a paraphrase rather than a literal translation of the original, and regard Edom, a common rabbinical idea, as a general representative of those who were strangers to the God of Israel. No doubt the Septuagint version was quoted by James on account of the many foreign Jews present at the council. These would be familiar with the Greek scriptures, not with the original Hebrew. End of quote. Joseph S. Excel's pulpit commentary additionally explains why Edom represents all Gentiles. Quote, Edom, as the nation most hostile to the Jews and furthest from David's house, is put by a natural figure for the whole Gentile world. End of quote. Bob Utley's You Can Understand the Bible additionally adds another reason why James would choose a Greek translation. Quote, James quotes the Septuagint because, in this case, it uniquely fits his purpose of expressing the universal nature of God's promise of redemption. End of quote. In the first century, Greek was a universal language. Matthew Henry explains why God broadened his calling. Quote, the Jews were for many ages so peculiarly favored that the residue of men seemed neglected. But now God will have an eye to them, and his name shall be called upon by the Gentiles. His name shall be declared and published among them, and they shall be brought both to know his name and to call upon it. They shall call themselves the people of God, and he shall call them so. And thus, by consent of both parties, his name is called upon them. End of quote. This was God's doing, since it was his plan since the beginning of the world, Acts 15, 18. The ministerial decision on circumcision officially settled the dispute between the Pharisaic element of the church and the new Gentile believers, the residue of men. Bob Utley's You Can Understand the Bible enlarges, quote, These changes would be devastating to a circumcision party of believers. Now the chief apostle, Peter, the converted rabbi apostle, Paul, and the leader of the Jerusalem church, James, all agree against them. End of quote. One of the greatest church controversies was settled simply by referencing its own holy book. God's word settled the matter as it always must. This has been Digging Deeper with Kenneth Frank. To learn more about the Bible and living a godly life, go to Living Education at lcgeducation.org, sponsored by The Living Church of God. <music>